into chapter 11 of John, we come to the end of what's often called the book of signs, and death looms across every part of this part of John, like a shadow. It's in many ways the final and greatest moment at the end of this section. You could, you could think of it as like the season finale or the final chapter, this, this, the end of this great book just before the last one. And so we can expect something amazing to happen here, but at this point, one question, one enemy still hangs over us as this impending, menacing dread, death. The Pharisees and the chief priests will kill Jesus if they find him. So this amazing miracle comes at this really important point because we're getting an answer to a big question. Does Jesus have a plan for death? Because death death almost feels like a step too far for his followers. But if Jesus could demonstrate his power over life and death, then that's going to point to something incredibly important. Death is this ultimate demonstration of humanity's separation from God. As Adam and Eve were exiled from the garden, they were also cut off from the tree of life. So if Jesus holds the power over life and death, it demonstrates that he has God's power. But also we get the answers to some questions. Every living person is going to ask themselves eventually. Whether they're waiting for the Messiah or not, whether they know Jesus or not, we've got some of the most fundamental basic questions of life that are answered here. If nothing lasts, is there really anything worth putting your trust in? If life brings such pain and sorrow at its end, Is there really any hope to be found in the world? Every good thing just ends, so what's even the point? And is there any good that comes from our pain? Is the suffering that we endure just meaningless? And will we ever be able to fix death or conquer it or make it unimportant? Is there a solution to all of this. You can't face death and truly know its sting and not start to ask at least some of these questions. But here we find some of the answers. First, Jesus is where we can find our hope and trust, even to the point of death, so we don't need to worry. Second, Jesus uses tragedy to bring goodness and glory. So our pain isn't without meaning. And third, Jesus has power over death. So life is found in him. There is a solution. So as we stand here at the beginning of this story, let's hear what Jesus is saying through all of this. First, that we need to trust him. From the very beginning, it's clear that Jesus has something to demonstrate through the power of the tragedy of Lazarus's sickness. As soon as he hears the news, he responds in this really interesting way, doesn't he? Uh, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son 
may be glorified through it. It's for God's glory. I wonder if you recognize that language. Jesus has been using God's glory all, of, all throughout John as this signpost that he's about to do something incredible, a sign, a testament to who he is. And so he does something a little bit strange here. Verse 5 and 6. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Now, John wants us to know that Jesus loves Lazarus and Martha and Mary. And what do you do for your friends when they call you for help? When when they send you a message, when they call you on the worst day of their lives, just to say, I need you right now. Most of us would drop everything, wouldn't we? To come as quickly as possible. But Jesus doesn't. Because... He has a love for them that is not just a love for his friends, but a godly love and regard for his people. This delay will bring God glory. Now, there there have been lots of situations in my life where I've just had to wait because I couldn't see God's providence shining through pain where it feels like God's timing and my timing just don't match up. And I want something to end right now, but God delays. And I know many of you have felt that too. The thing is, right here, we get the full picture. We get to see here exactly what Jesus intended in this moment. And so we get to know his character because he doesn't wait needlessly. He waits to bring even more abundant glory. In other words, we can put our hope and trust in him even to the point of death. Even when we're not exactly sure what he's trying to do in all of this. We know him and we know he can be trusted. Now, once Jesus makes his decision to travel back to Bethany, the disciples make their anxieties really clear. Their thoughts aren't with Lazarus at their time. this time. They're worried for Jesus. For them, fresh in their minds is this very real threat that Jesus will be stoned by the Jewish leaders. They look at Jesus' actions and they just don't understand. And they don't trust him. Their advice betrays that. At least here... They don't think Jesus even knows what he's doing. Verse 8, But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? They think maybe Jesus was just kind of forgetful. They don't trust him. So Jesus sets them straight. He, He gives them this, frankly, beautiful response of compassion and confidence. As long as they're with him... They walk in the light, and they won't stumble. It's an incredible affirmation, isn't it? Don't be worried, because Jesus is light, and he can and should be trusted. And just for their benefit, he gets really straightforward. Here now, he's got something to show them. Lazarus is dead, 
and though that might seem tragic, Jesus is going to use this for immeasurable good. Verse 15, And for your sake I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So we can put our trust and hope in Jesus, even to the point of death, because he knows exactly what he's doing. So when we're calling out in grief because it feels like there's no point, when it feels like everything fails and fades, we know Jesus is the one tangible thing we can cling to. We can be assured that even in sickness and tragedy, as we face the end of many good things because of death, we know there's something to put our hope and trust in, and it's Jesus. And so secondly, and maybe for many of us this is the hardest, one of the hardest questions we have to answer, is all this without meaning? Is there any purpose to our pain? Why would God let us go through these things? Because these things will bring abundant goodness and glory, he says. Jesus arrives in Bethany and and Martha runs to him. Immediately she's pretty confused. She's certain that Jesus could have healed Lazarus, but he's late. Verse 21, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Now, Martha does have faith that Jesus will do something in this, as she says in verse 22, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. But a resurrection, even now, seems beyond her scope of thinking. She's asking, why? Why did he wait He could have been there in time. Why put her through this? But she's sure he'll do something. She just can't wrap her mind around exactly what that will be. She doesn't, she can't see the meaning in her pain. But Jesus has a point to make in all of this. And so this death, though tragic, will bring him glory and abundant goodness for all those present. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life, the one who believes in me even though they die, and whoever (coughs) will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Note the subtlety in the way that he phrases that statement, right? I am the resurrection and the life. This is one of this series of I am statements Jesus has made throughout John, and there's a purpose in that. Jesus claims to be God by using the same language that God uses with Moses in the burning bush. And so this death and this resurrection, it brings glory to him because it's a clear and powerful demonstration of his divinity. And it brings goodness to the crowds around an offer of eternal life in him. He gives this undeniable demonstration of his power over life and death. See, he uses this tragedy for his glory and brings goodness to those around him. My grandpa died when I was in high school and I sometimes find it difficult to see how on earth his death could bring glory and goodness. 
he was a devout believer in Jesus and I wish all the time that he could be here with me to share my journey through training to be a minister. I'm grieved that death took him away and now I can't share with him what I'm learning. I can't speak to him through all my trials and triumphs because he just isn't here. Now, I don't know what God's plan was in taking my grandpa away when he did, but I can still cling to the promise that in tragedy, glory and goodness will abound. And it invites us into this strange little paradox, doesn't it? Because there's no questioning that death is horrible, it's bitter and abrasive, caustic, awful, fact of existence there's no questioning the horror of death and we can grieve at its effect on us but at the same time we can feel joy in the middle of pain jesus is with us molding it for good and so is, is church right now we sit in this very strange place a paradox in which we can have two equal reactions to death. The pain and the assurance all at once. And Jesus does this too right here. He demonstrates this for us. Rather than make a statement about his glory or his position as the keeper of life and death, as he did with Martha, when Mary reaches him, instead he weeps with her feeling her pain amidst the horror of death she comes to him grieved like her sister verse 32 when mary reached the place where jesus was and saw him she fell at his feet and said lord if you had been here my brother would not have died but jesus reaction is completely different because he is both god and human and, and so instead to Mary, he also experiences grief. He cries because he's overcome by the awfulness of death. He truly understands. Jesus uses this tragedy to show that he grieves with us when we grieve. He understands and is anguished at the pain that tragedy and death brings. And so because he feels that with us, he isn't unfeeling in his response, but empathetic and compassionate. Jesus uses this tragedy to show us who he is, to, to bring glory and goodness. So as we weep and we cry out and we want purpose and meaning as we wade through the depths of our suffering... Jesus gives us an answer in how he shapes tragedy into triumph and brings glory in goodness. And so finally then, we made it to our climax. And in many ways, this is the most important takeaway. Can Jesus defeat death? And the answer is yes. Jesus shows this powerfully and publicly. Jesus has the power over death. Four days uh, after Lazarus is dead, and now Jesus stands up to the task. John is certain to mention that Martha is worried. It's been four days. That's 
decomposition time. Where he's going to actually start to smell. He is most certainly dead with no hope of revival. But Jesus wanted it that way. Because now this miracle cannot be denied. And so then as they open up the tomb, Jesus again reiterates why it is he's there. So that they may believe. So that the crowd may see that he alone holds the keys to life and death. From verse 41. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. All this he does so that they may believe, to prove that he has the power over death and life. Verse 43. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped in strips of linen and cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Jesus proves who he is by demonstrating with this amazing clarity that he has the power over life and death. Is there a cure, a way to conquer this unstoppable foe, uh, a way to make it obsolete, unimportant? Yes. Jesus defeated death. He is the answer, the conqueror, the cure. Now, this story isn't completely finished. There's almost an epilogue at the end of this chapter here. The, The crowd splits down the middle in verse 45 and 46. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. And so the Pharisees and the chief priests, they come together to plot against Jesus. But this time, it's steeped in this amazing irony, isn't it? They have this plan, this plot to kill Jesus... And it's completely impotent. It's silly. What good is that going to do? How do you kill a man who has the power over life and death? It's foolish. It's ridiculous to even try. See, they just don't understand. Their eyes are blinded. So much so that they don't realize that this miracle was just a shadow of what was to come. Jesus would use their evil for incredible good. From verse 50, Caiaphas says, You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. He did not say this on his own, but as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation. And not only for the nation, but also for the scattered children of God to bring them together and make them one. See, as Jesus used the death and resurrection of Lazarus so that he he could show us that he can be trusted, that he can turn tragedy into glory and that he can and to prove his power over life and death he will soon use his own death and resurrection to do that and bring salvation to 
to all who believe. Life's most fundamental questions find all their answers in Jesus Christ. And it requires a response. For the believer, those already following Jesus, it's about trusting in the promises you already know. To face death and tragedy and destruction with confidence and assurance. Not without sorrow or grieving because we know we can cry with Jesus. But he calls us to trust him. To stand secure because we're held firmly in his hands. We know we can trust him even when death abounds. We know that pain has meaning because he works it all for good and we know he has the power over life and death. So who else would we follow? And he also calls those who don't know him. He does this completely radical and public demonstration and then he says that you may believe. If you're grappling with some of these questions or you just want to talk, please come and speak after the service. Because this is true. And Jesus demonstrates with complete clarity and assurance that he has the answers. We don't need to fear death because we have Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you give us such amazing assurance through Jesus. Thank you that we have life in him. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to call the band up now and we'll do a now.